ready to get going, babe? Yes, let's, let's go. Let's do this thing. All right, so here we are, question number one, and it's blue, so that's for me, right? So I just want to tell you, loosen up, take notes, laugh with us, let's have a good conversation today. You don't have to be stiff and, and uptight today. It's this. It says, what, what should I be looking for in a husband or wife? Hopefully, if you're married, you're not looking for this, a husband or wife. Uh, I'll say this, somebody that's hot. Find somebody that's hot. Y'all are like, that ain't spiritual. No, that's logical. But beauty, that's logical. Beauty is fleeting, honey. Beauty is fleeting, praise God. But so beauty is also in the eye of the beholder. Ooh. I behold you, and you're hot. Anyway. Oh, my gosh. It believe. So, so here, I'm going to get it started with this. What should I be looking for? Because we do get asked this one a lot, right? Yes. Especially with people that aren't married yet and people that, that are growing with Jesus and, and trying to get things right. So I would say this, it depends a lot on uh, your, your beliefs and stances on things and the stances that you're going to take on a lot of things. So some of it is if uh, like there's, there's certain things in, in our marriage and in our lives that coming into it, I was not going to budge on. And, uh, and things like that, and she wasn't either. So if those aren't compatible to begin with, then obviously I probably need to stay away from that, right? And then, um, and then I, honestly, you need to find somebody that's attractive to you inside and out. So a lot of times in church, we can overemphasize the inside part and underemphasize the outside part. And a friend of mine said it like this one time, and I love how he said it. He said, yeah, but you need to make sure they love Jesus. Yeah, but you ain't waking up to Jesus. When you roll over, they need to love Jesus, but man, you need to look at them and go, you, you, you looking good today at, at all times, you know? And so, um, I would say that I, I would say for a wife, I would say, if you're looking uh, for a wife, men, go read Proverbs 31, go read Proverbs 31. Ladies, if you want to know what kind of wife to be, read Proverbs 31. Uh, that's an amazing, amazing scripture about what it looks like, uh, to be a godly God honoring wife. And what you should look like for a husband, women, look at Ephesians chapter 5. If he, if he can't love you like Jesus loves the church, then he's not going to be the spiritual leader of your house. And he's not going to give you everything you deserve anyway. So I would say that very quickly because we have a lot of questions. But That's I know right. you want to add something And I'll here. say too, when you when make a list of things that, that are your expectations in your man. And I will say too, do not fall back on them. I met every one of them. You did. You yes. exceeded my expectations. I did. You are I mean, correct. I am the living but embodiment But I do have a couple things to show everybody. Just real quick. This is my keepsake box from when we were dating. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he wrote me a whole ton of notes, so I had to, I had to keep them. This is a poem he wrote me that he shared last year, but yeah, it's we're the not reading rolled that again. up version. No, but it says something. You know, these are just some clues for you men who are looking for your lady. You can That's say, right. <clears throat> then I got caught up in the past and thought that this could not last. Come on, somebody. Uh, Come on, five, somebody. Five long months went slowly by, and I never could figure out why. Oh, uh, listen, Casanova in and, the flesh. And I'll just read the last stanza. The last stanza is the best stanza. I am yours, mm, and, and you, you are, are mine. mine. And, and good, good Lord, Lord, baby, baby you, you are, are so fine. fine. He still remembers. Come hey. on, somebody. It I worked, didn't it? Hey. <laughs> she I... wearing the ring. That's all I'm going to say. You didn't let me finish. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm never going to leave you, Angel. No matter whatever That's happens, true. you'll always be my princess. He couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything with Angel. 
Can't find nothing with angel. <sighs> and, and, you know, even when you are married, don't stop this. Like, you know, we still leave each other notes and things like that. Like, don't let, you know, don't let it fade. Just keep dating your spouse. That's right. Are right, you ready for I'm, another question? I'm ready. I got this one for you. You ready? Yep. It's this one. How can you earn trust back after it's been lost? That's a really good one. That is a very and good I one. And we're going to be just raw and honest, authentic this morning and let you guys know, like, we are not perfect if you thought that we are. We are not. We struggle. And he actually broke my trust um, very early on when we were engaged. That's why and I wrote so many poems. <laughs> Yes, no, and kidding. that's a, a part of rebuilding it is just pursuing the other. And, and it's not just on his end. You know, if you're the one that broke the trust, you have a lot of things to do. You have to be committed, and you have to have humility. You have to put the other above yourself and realize that she or he is more important uh, than whatever it was that you broke their trust on. And I will say, too, like there were moments where I would hold in, you know, the fact that I was still struggling with the mistrust, but he was in tune to that and would say, hey, babe, we're okay. We're good. You know, and I want to also end this question with scripture because God's words are so much better than mine. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord. If you want to know how to rebuild trust with somebody, trust in the Lord that he's going to work it out and that you are walking in a plan that he prepared for you before you were in your mother's womb. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I did not understand why he did what he did. But it wasn't my understanding that was going to cause me to trust. It was trusting in the Lord that was able to, that helped me, you know, and, and him pursuing me more. And then verse six says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, submit to him. And he, what is he going to do? He's going to make your path straight. So if you feel like you just can't trust the other again, first, make sure you're trusting in the Lord. And then it takes a whole lot of commitment, humility, consistency with it and intentionality. Yeah, it, it, it's something that, so trust, I said this Friday night, cause this is one of the questions we got there is trust is uh, easy to break and hard to gain. It's easy to break and hard to gain. And, and the truth is, is number one, um, we can't base our spiritual lives. We can't base our entire lives on someone. It has to be based on the savior. And so it has to be to the point to where if they break my trust, my life is not crumbling. It may hurt, and it may be difficult, and it may be hard, and it may be betrayal, and it may be a lack of loyalty, but the truth of the matter is my life is not going to fall apart because of that because my life is built on the rock of Jesus Christ. It's not built on the approval of someone of the opposite sex. Amen. And so that's the big, biggest thing that I can tell you. The way to regain trust is... Whoever broke the trust, so I was the guy, I, I was, you know, I was just the guy in our engagement that I just did something stupid, did some, I mean, it was a consistent act of something stupid, and um, I was talking to somebody I shouldn't have been talking to, and, and, and all this stuff, and it wasn't, you know, and so in that moment, I had to understand I messed up. I had to take responsibility and not blame it on anybody but me, and then I had to do whatever it took for her to look at me and trust me again, right. and, and so sometimes that was listening to her let it vent her feelings in the situation for the 17,000th time and sometimes it was her just you know you got to go through what you got to go through to get to where you need to go 
And, and here's the truth. I want to say, I want to end it with this, right? So this is with anything, but it's especially with relationships and with trust. And it's this. You, uh, you can show someone how much they mean to you by what you're willing to do to get to the finish line. You show someone or something how much they mean to you by what you're willing to do to get to the finish line. In this society, in this generation today, I think loyalty is one of the most lost arts that we have. Loyalty and honor. And the truth of the matter is, is look, here's the deal. I love this church. I'm not always happy with everything that happens in this church, but I love this church and I will go through hell and high water in order to see God do something amazing in this church. I love this woman. I'm not always happy with everything about her and she's not always happy with everything about me, but I will go through hell and high water to make sure that God sees her faithful at the end of her life and vice versa in our marriage as an example. And so we've got to be willing to go through a process and be loyal in that moment instead of walking away. So I hope that helps somebody in the trust issue. I'll read the next one. Okay, you got the next one. All right. I'm going to start it for you. How can married Christians avoid emotional affairs? Oh, man. So this is a good one because when you hear this one on the surface, you may go, well, that's obvious. But obviously, if you look at the the, uh, aspect or the climate of marriages today, it's not. It's not obvious because there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians and non-Christians that destroy lives because of emotional affairs. Can I tell you the only, that the only way, there's not only one way to have an affair, and it's not just physical, but there's emotional affairs as well, right? And so we have to be careful with that, and we have to understand that there's a slippery slope for, for everything. Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, I think I'm going to ruin my kid's life, my wife's life, my life, my job, my career, and everything else. Nobody does that, but what they do is they have a slow fade over months or years that turn into a bad decision, and then one bad decision makes it numb for the next bad decision, which makes it numb for the next bad decision. Nobody wakes up and goes, I think I'm going to be addicted to drugs, but they try something that's a slow fade down a slope, and then you decide you don't want to get any better, and so you just want to ruin everything, and you continue down that path. It's the same thing with marriage. In affairs, you just get caught in this cycle that you just want to stay where you are because the change is too too difficult. And so Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 actually says this. I, I love this scripture. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, what, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So there you go. Just ask yourself if what you're doing, is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it of good reputation? Is there any excellence of it? And is it worthy of praise? And if it is, then you can go, all right, I can dwell on those things. Pornography isn't. Talking to somebody of the opposite sex in ways that you shouldn't be talking to them isn't. If you have to hide the conversation from your spouse, you shouldn't be having it. If you can't tell them that you work together, you probably are crossing a line you shouldn't be crossing. You know, and I I go back to... um, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 and, um, and 22, it says, it says this. It says, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. And then it says this, verse 22. It's just the best advice in this moment. Abstain from any form of evil. Abstain from any form of evil. You know, and, and that sounds easy, right? That sounds like, okay, just stay away from what's bad. But what's bad can also come in a package that looks good. If you're starving your spouse of attention and they start getting the attention from somebody at work, then it comes off as very innocent until it's not. 
Are you following me? And so we have to be able to listen and be guided by the Spirit of God and go, what is God telling me to do and what do I need to stay away from in this situation? And emotional affairs, physical affairs, none of that happens just in one day. It happens over a course of time. And so we have to be, I'm so committed to her that I, I don't have meetings with females by myself. I don't do it. And it's not because I'm afraid you're going to do something or I'm going to do something. It's because I love her and it's a standard we have. In fact, our office abides by that standard. We don't do that in private areas by ourselves because we want to always remain pure, honorable, right, you know, whatever's worship and excellence. So that, I think the way you stay away from emotional affairs is you stay away from anything that could cause any yeah. kind of doubts or questions. I, and I used to say that too when people would ask me these questions like this, you know, just if it seems like a gray area and it makes you double think, like, don't do it. Just stay away because there are some um, things in the Bible that aren't black and white. And so you kind of have to use the guidance of the Holy Spirit in you to know whether or not to do something. And if you feel like it may not be a good idea, then it's probably not, you know? That's good. Yeah, absolutely. In the Spirit, a lot of times we want, to, we want God to come down and audibly tell us, hey, stay away from that. Yes. <laughs> you know how God does that? It's called your conscience. And it's in your heart, and it's in your spirit, it's in your belly, literally. I could go through the scientific, but I'm not. It's in your belly, and that thing that whenever you pull up that website or you have that conversation or you hide that text message or you do that, that sets off inside of you and makes you feel nervous and bad, that's the Spirit of God going, hey, abstain from all things evil, and this is not good. Because anything birthed in darkness is not going to be good. Mm. Please remember that. Relationships you have That's to hide good. are birthed in darkness, and it's probably not going to be very good. All right, I'm going to get out of that for a minute. All right, here's the next question. You ready? This one's for you. Okay. How can I heal from the hurt of a past broken relationship, and what do I do? If I have something from my past, but I'm scared to tell my spouse. Okay. So this is kind of a two-part question, but it goes together. Um, you need to get out of a hurt pattern and pursue a pattern of healing, a healing pattern. Hurt you know, pattern. I didn't realize it until I started talking with him more and, and being open that I had brought a whole lot of brokenness and hurt into our marriage that I could have dealt with beforehand, but I didn't understand that it was something that I internalized. You know, um, Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. In order to seek a healing pattern and to just break the hurt, first of all, you have to realize that it's okay to not be okay. It's all right. But you've got to you know, um, I always say this, anointing flows from the head down. You have to begin to allow God to transform your thoughts and change the pattern of your thoughts in order to even know what his will is for your marriage. You not changing your mind might be blocking you from a blessing that God has for you and your husband. That's good. And so you need to talk it out. You need to be open and honest. And, you know, here's a great analogy that I like to use when I was very young. My aunt and uncle, they had an above ground um, circular pool 
And me and my cousins, we always like to create like a whirlpool. And we would just keep going in that same pattern because, you know, a pattern is doing the same thing, a repeating, repeating steps over and over and over again. So we would stay in that pattern, right? But then the, fu- the most fun thing was when we turned around and we reversed, we wanted to reverse the cycle that we had been going into. And we were just really, really, really trying to push through and make and just reverse the pattern. And guys, it was hard. It was so hard. And so in your relationship, it's going to be hard to uh, allow God to get into that healing pattern. It's going to be hard at first. But when you start to take steps and say, man, you know, this just acknowledge that there's hurt there. That's the first step. Acknowledge that you're hurt and talk about it. And then, you know, he helped reveal some things to me uh, to begin the healing process, you know? And you can deal with that before you get into a relationship. If you begin now to seek the Lord and to seek his will, but it starts with a transformation of your mind. I had to think different. I had to walk differently. Let me ask you a question on that, and I'm putting you on the spot for a second. But I know that you went through a healing process of something that was, Mm -hmm. you didn't even realize happened to you until we kind of got into the depth of some stuff. But you had to change your mind Mm -hmm. in order to get through place of a healing. Can you take about a minute or so and just talk about what have you done and are you doing to help you change your mindset? Because I think handles on this thing is going to be powerful. What are you doing to change your mindset? Because y'all may not know this, but Megan has been through something in her life that was dramatically life-changing. Yeah, and absolutely. we actually found out after a lot, uh, marriage conference in mm-hmm. conversation what had actually taken place. And um, it, it was just, your, it affected everything about you. But yeah. when you realized it, you started working on something. Mm-hmm. And it changed everything about you from then. Yeah. I think I'll, the, since I only have a minute, and um, the one thing that helped me the most um, with my mindset was to remember God's words and what he says. And I know that seems super spiritual, but it is the truth and the one thing that has delivered me completely from that place of hurt. And I use it with my kids because they struggle. Their battle is not against flesh and blood either. They hurt. And I tell them, well, let's look for God's words because sometimes mommy's isn't enough. And that is what I did. You know, when I thought I was worthless and I was just a mess and I had poor self-image, I would look in God's word and he calls me his daughter. He thought enough of me to call him his friend. And I would just take those thoughts and even some things that happened to me caused me to be fearful. And one of my favorite scriptures was about, about how you cannot be fearful. And also that the joy of the Lord is our strength and to find joy in those trials, just that, ah, like why I'm not strong and why I don't feel joy is because the strength is found in him. And just quoting those scriptures, just finding out what God says about me. And I will encourage you if you are hurt and you are defined by someone else's lies or labels that they put on you, Google what does God say about me Come on. and pray, God, what do you see in me? Because some of you have this well, that's a step in transforming your mind, but some of you have this view that of how God sees you and it's how you see you. Oh, wow. And God sees you so dearly loved. He says you are dearly loved. Yes. He takes you from the pit and he puts you in the palace. Yes. 
Wow. He's got a, he's, you just have to allow God's words to just come in. And remember, though, that brokenness is a beautiful thing. Mm. Sometimes it takes us going through a breaking in order for his light to come in. That's right? so good. That's and so good. Y'all give it up. So come good. on now. And, Man, and you I don't know care. what? Like, I, I want to add this because there's a two-part question. What do I do if I have something from my past, but I'm scared to tell my spouse, spouse, you got to open up. Yeah. You know, Psalm 34, 18, it says that the Lord is so close to the brokenhearted. Mm. Know that brokenness, again, is okay. Lean into what his word says and not the foothold that the enemy has on your mind. Lean into what he says. He's, if you're broken, he is right there. And listen to this. When you say your vows, if you're married, you say for better or for worse. Yes. Whatever that worse is that you're not coming clean with and you're not telling them, they have signed, not a contract, but they have signed up with you forever, for life. They made a commitment to you that they are there for you in the worst of times. You better and preach. You got you to gotta say it. And here we go. Repentance is the doorway to freedom. Come on. Repentance is the doorway to freedom. And the only way... Y'all, the only way I'm able to free you of this is because free people free people. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And I've been freed of this hurt, and Come I'm on. telling you that repentance is the doorway to your freedom today. Let them know. Come clean. Tell the Lord, God, help me with my words. Come on. And he is going to just make you free and make your marriage all that it was meant to be or all that it's going to be. How many of you are grateful Jesus has Repent. made you free no matter That's what? Good. Come on. Come on. Told y'all. She'll go now. She'll go. Um, I'm going to ask two. We're going to get through two more questions, all right? So I've okay. got the next two. All right, you ready for this? This one is because we, we have a plethora of people. We have married folks, we have engaged, and we have unmarried that are either single or, or dating. And so this is one of the questions we get asked all the time, all the time. It's this. What is an appropriate level of intimacy before marriage? What is an appropriate level of intimacy before marriage? And um, I want to I want to say this: if you have to ask if you're crossing the line, you probably are. All right, let's just talk about that for a minute. Hebrews chapter thirteen verse four gives us actually a really great um, uh, parameter here. It says, "Marriage is to be held in honor among all. Honor is to esteem something highly." All right, so among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. In other words, he says this, the marriage bed, the marriage bed, the actions of married people needs to be undefiled. You don't need to mess with that. And so in other words, if it, is, if it mimics in any way a sexual relationship outside of marriage, it is outside of biblical standards. It is outside of the way God intended it to be. Now, here's the thing. Part of us, part of the reason that we get into that is because, well, we love each other. We're going to get married one day. No, no, you can't do that because the truth of the matter is it's when you make the covenant to each other. If they love you enough to sleep with you but not enough to marry you yet, then you don't need to be giving them yourself. You don't. They need to walk down and make that covenant promise with you first. And so where we're at is, and that's why I tell people all the time, you got to be careful living. You can't, like living together before marriage is highly, highly, highly difficult because I don't know about you, but if you're attracted, me, if we live together before marriage, I'm attracted to her. 
You know how many times I'm going to be able to be in the same house with her 24 hours a day and not do something stupid? Come on. Y'all are like, I don't know what I should do. This, this, we're having conversation, real conversation of real questions, guys. If you're not married yet, don't do married things, okay? Don't, you wouldn't, listen, you wouldn't join your, pay, your, your, your bank accounts together yet. So why would you join your bodies together? So what? God is more in your money than he is in your body until it comes to tithe? All right, anyway. That's good. No, it's true. Let's it's just good. talk about it. Let's be real. Don't, like, don't do something that God intended to be special and great and amazing outside of his intended results yeah. anyway. Don't, don't do that. And so yeah. I want to go to number six, all I right? I do want to say, too, on that really quickly. Okay. I know what time it is. Yes. You say that all the time. Yeah, huh? But I want to say, like, praise God, you know, that his grace covers a, multi yes. a multitude of sins. So Absolutely. Don't, don't think we're shaming you if you've done that. I mean, we're not perfect, you know, and so there's forgiveness for you here today in this house. God, God's grace makes things pure again. God's grace makes things forgiven and redeemed. So good. And so maybe you're in a place where you're going, we're in that situation and we've done that and we've been there. I just want to tell you, you can be redeemed and start. Come That's on. why it's from this day forward, like from today on. It, I don't care about what you did last week or last night. It's Come from on. today forward. It's That's from right. today I make this declaration. My marriage will be blessed by God. Now we got just a couple of minutes and I want you to hit this. This is yours. Um, <laughs> I, number six, here we go. I feel like my spouse spends more time on their phone and at work than with me. What can we do? We actually do get this uh, a Somebody. lot. This is a big, this is a big elbows. deal in today's society. It is. So it really we're going to end with this one. I will say, talk about it. Don't nag. Don't nag him like, mm, your phone's more important than me. I may or may not have said that. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I see yes. a lot of people getting elbowed and, right now. And I mean, there was a season in our life too where um, he worked so much. I only saw him on Thursday nights. And when I did see him, I was nagging him like, you work more to make your job stable than you do, you know, here at the house. And like the time that we were together was just really sad because I was nagging him. <laughs> do not do that. And if you do, let, let's change our mindset on that. And um, I want to free you guys of something today. I want you to know that your life is more than a comment. You don't need a comment. You don't need to comment. Whether it be Facebook, whether it be Instagram, whether it be the Gamecock message boards. Easy, or easy. Whatever. You don't need a comment. You don't need to comment. You have a covenant. Come on. You have a covenant this way, and you have a covenant this way That's if you're good. married. And so remember that you don't need this. Put it down and be present. And present isn't, well, I'm sitting here with you. I'm sitting here with you. Uh-uh. That is not present. Put it down. He may not be here tomorrow. She may not be here tomorrow. They might not be here tomorrow. You might not be here tomorrow. And that will, that will always be there. Let me free you of that. You don't need to comment. You have a covenant. Amen. That's good. And I and and my last thing, um, <laughs> Marion, he sets up um, our church with us almost every Sunday, and he just felt led to share a story with me about his dear friend that passed away about six weeks ago. 
he was just really struggling with cancer for years. He was 22 years old. And part of his last words said this. He said, do not operate in your flesh. Life is worth so much more than that, but operate in Christ. And he talked about how he was about to be with Jesus and better off than everyone else. I want you to know that life is more than this. Wow. Life is so much more than that, y'all. And, and we're all guilty of it. I want you to know, too, that an author says it like this. People's opinions of you are none of your business. Wow. Don't worry about what you say. Wow. Don't worry about what is said. Worry about the covenant. God loves you and loved you so much. Yes, you. No matter what you have done, God loves you so much that he gave up his only son. And when I had just one son, I couldn't imagine it. That's the covenant he made that you would have eternal life, Mm. everlasting life. That's love. If you want to know how a relationship looks, look at our daddy, our heavenly one. He gave his one son for you, every single one of you, regardless the hurt, regardless of what you're dealing with. He gave it all up for you. That's love. And you can't have this without this. You can't trust this without this, right? Thanks for letting me be up here today. It's good. Well. I, uh, I think that's a perfect way to end is to, to understand that it's God's love. That's right. It's not just a horizontal relationship that we're working on. It's vertical. And your, vertic- your horizontal relationship is an indicator of your vertical one. And I just want you to know today we've been through this relationship series and we get pretty in-depth and we talk about a lot of things but I want you to know that today no matter where you are in your relationships no matter where you are in your life no matter where you are what you've done what's happened Megan said it perfect that God is there and he forgives and he loves and he redeems and he makes things pure again And he makes you whole again. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again this week. God gets the last word. And you don't have to be held captive by something that God has already freed you from. And so I just want to do something, if you would, just while you're seated, just bow your heads. and I just want to ask if there's some people in the room today. And say, hey, Pastor, I know this is the end of a relationship series. We're going to talk next week about how God is a way maker, a miracle worker, and how powerful he is. But I need to give him my life. I heard about a God of forgiveness today. I heard about a God of love and of joy and of grace and of mercy. And I need to give him my my life today. Maybe I need to re-pray that prayer because I've walked away from him. Or maybe I I just need to do it, whatever it is. If that's you. Would you hold your hand up really high where you're sitting today so we can pray with you?
salvation over your life because God's got great things for you. I'm telling you, your life is only starting whenever we begin to walk with Jesus. You're going to get a clipboard put in your hand and we want to ask you to fill that card out and we'll take it at the end of the service because we want to walk with you. But if everybody would, just pray this short prayer with me all together out loud. Dear Jesus, we give you our lives. We accept your forgiveness. And I ask that you make me whole again. Thank you for welcoming me into the family of God today. I want to be made whole. I want to be made new. And I love you. Church, can we make some noise for one person that entered the kingdom of God this morning? Amen. Amen. We want to pray with you over you and current or future marriages. And I want you to go out there and have a good time. Stop by the Connect Center. Grab some invite cards on your way out. Sign up for Next Step, whatever that is. And be back. Bring somebody with you for Waymaker next week. Let's pray. Father, we honor you. We worship you. We give you everything we have. I pray over every single person under the sound of my voice. God, we had fun today and we talked about a lot of real conversations. But God, I pray that you take us to a new level with you. That you take us where you want us to go. And you teach us what you want us to know. We follow you in this life. God, we're your kids and we honor you. We give you everything we have. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for what you're doing in this county, in this town, in this community. And God, we want to be a catalyst that expands the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Lord, every invite we give out this week, I pray, Lord, that it would be anointed by you and it brings somebody closer to the kingdom of God. We honor you and praise you in your name. Amen. Ready?